Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis, and welcome to Thanksgiving week. Now, don't be one of those people that goes into a family gathering and becomes a super spreader for COVID. Oh, boy. Just sit home alone and get on a Zoom call and eat your Boston Market chicken. Sounds lovely. I like to, when I have a Thanksgiving feast, put a baby monitor inside the turkey, you know, scoop out the stuffing and put the baby monitor in there. And then I go in the bathroom and I talk to my guests. You going to eat that? Hey, how about another drumstick? Or you put a cup of popcorn in the turkey and blow the oven door right off. (laughs) Pop, pop, pop. Anyway, I'm going to be telling you about a horrible incident that happened in Sebring, Florida, January 23rd. 2019. Yesterday, our community suffered a tremendous loss at the hands of a heinous criminal. Zeph and Alan Zaver knowingly and intentionally took the lives of five of our fellow community members. Zeph and Alan Zaver, not to be confused with Xavier Onassis or Savior Onassis. I'm Jim Nasium. So what the hell, dude? 21-year-old Zephan Xavier bought a 9mm handgun and ammunition just days before walking into the SunTrust branch. Now, most times when someone walks into a SunTrust branch brandishing a gun, they want money. But not in this case. He just wanted to shoot to kill. Xavier apparently made the five women inside lie down on the lobby floor before shooting them all in the back of the head, according to police. Police arrived within three minutes of a 911 call. Actually, there was a witness who was outside who called 911, and then Zaver called 911 himself. Police quickly set up a perimeter. They had a negotiator take over. And finally, the SWAT vehicle actually drove right through the front pane glass window and broke it. And they found Zaver sitting in the back in the office of the bank. This neighbor says that she was at the gunman's home hours before the shooting. I have been over there on barbecues with my daughter. We've grilled out together. We've eaten together. No, nothing at all. Not even a tiny, teeny little bit would it have even remotely across my mind at all. So no red flag there, but Alex Gerlach says that she met Zephan Zaver at a psychiatric hospital, and for a short time they were boyfriend and girlfriend, and she says the shootings were not a shock to her. Throughout the years, he just started, like, having this fascination with, like, wanting to hurt people. I've been scared for years, and every single person I've told has not taken it seriously and it's very unfortunate that it had to come to this. A girl like told WSBT-TV in South Bend, Indiana, that's where Zeph and Zaver was from before he came to Florida. She said he got kicked out of school for having a dream that he killed everybody in class. Every single person that she told about this did not take it seriously, and it's very unfortunate that it had to come to this, she said. So Gerlach was quoted by the Washington Post saying that Zaver said he bought a gun a week before the shootings, and no one thought anything of it because he always liked guns. So were there red flags? Were there not? I mean, the girlfriend says yes, the neighbor says you wouldn't know that about him. It's like, What's going on? Sebring Police Chief Carl Hoagland said there was no indication that Zephan Zaver intended to rob the bank and no apparent connection between him and the people in the bank who were shot dead. Our sisters, our mothers, our daughters, 
and our co-workers. We have no uh, information as to what his true motive may have been. He was charged with five counts of premeditated murder and the shooting deaths of four bank employees and a customer. The charges are five counts of homicide, murder in the first degree, premeditated as a capital offense. Here's Governor Ron DeSantis. This is an individual that needs to face very swift and exacting justice. So according to an affidavit, all the victims were found in the bank's lobby lying face down with gunshots to the back of their heads. Shell casings from Zaver's 9mm handgun were scattered on the floor. Another customer, Victor Sparks, arrived at the bank after Zaver had gone in. And when he got to the door, he found it was locked. So he looked inside. It was four or five people I saw laying uh, facing away from me. Uh, on, on their stomachs and somebody walking back and forth between me and them. He immediately contacted bank employees and a bank customer and overtook the bank by force. He then shot everyone in the bank. The thought that goes through my mind is I was probably the last person other than the shooter to see them alive. And that, that really hits home. 75-year-old Victor Sparks says that he came close to being the sixth victim he says that he came up to the door of the bank, saw the gunman standing over the victims lying on the ground, and then Sparks heard gunfire, and that's when he called 911. He said police arrived within two minutes after he and his wife called 911. He said he knew one of the victims, Marisol Lopez. She was always so sweet and always smiling and just such a, a, a soft, tender uh, way when she'd talk to you. So dispatchers also got a 911 call from Xaver himself saying, I have shot five people. Can you imagine getting that call? But Xaver refused to surrender and would not allow officers to reach the victims, according to the police chief. After more than an hour of negotiations, the chief ordered a SWAT team to go in. They had to use an armored vehicle to break through the glass front doors. Xaver was found in the office in the rear. The police chief said during crisis negotiations with Zaver, it appeared that he was not going to allow officers any access to the victims in the bank. So once the SWAT team members entered the bank, Zaver surrendered before being taken into custody. And of course, by then, all the victims were already dead. So when Zaver was arrested, he was wearing a beige T-shirt and it had an image depicting the four horsemen of the apocalypse on the front. He went to school with my daughter and she said she wasn't friends with him because he creeped her out. Doesn't surprise her that he did this because he was just kind of creepy. Hoagland identified two of the victims, one customer, Cynthia Watson, and a bank employee, Marisol Lopez, who you heard Victor Sparks saying was just a sweetheart. The bank customer was Miss Cynthia Watson. The bank employee was with Marisol Lopez. We believe that it is a random act. We do not believe anybody was specifically targeted, but we are still trying to establish, obviously, what has occurred, the, the gravity and the nature of why it has occurred, and try to put things in perspective that we can understand. So again, the victims, 65-year-old Cynthia Watson, 55-year-old Marisol Lopez, 38-year-old Anna Pinon Williams, 31-year-old Jessica Montague and 54-year-old Deborah Cook all lost their lives in that shooting. And the bank never reopened. It was torn down and turned into a memorial. Zephan Zaver's father says he's heartbroken for the victims that his son was not raised to be like that. I think Dahmer's parents said the same thing. They said he's always been a good kid. He had his troubles, but he never wanted to hurt anybody before. This is a total shock. 
Well, Zaver had no apparent criminal record in the areas where he had lived in Indiana and Florida, and his school records were spotty. Two school districts in northern Indiana said that he attended for several years but didn't graduate. Zaver also briefly studied online. In Florida, he tried to be a prison guard. Department of Corrections records show that he was hired as a trainee at Avon Park Correctional Institution on November 2nd and resigned on January 9th, so that would be like two weeks before the shooting. There were no disciplinary issues reported in his file. Public records and neighbors say Zaver and his mother had moved to Sebring in the fall from Plymouth, Indiana, a small town in South Bend. They lived in a nondescript prefabricated home about four miles from the bank. John LaRose, who lives next door, said Zaver kept to himself, but he could hear him playing and yelling at video games in the middle of the night. Aha! This was at least the fourth mass shooting in Florida, with five or more dead in the past three years. A gunman, of course, killed 49 people at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando in 2016. Five died at the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport in 2017 when a gunman opened fire and baggage claim. And 17 died on Valentine's Day at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in 2018 in Parkland. I've done a podcast on all these shootings. You can check those out as well. And they all seem to have the same thread that the gunman had some sort of a screw loose. Esteban Santiago was the shooter in baggage claim at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. In fact, the FBI took his weapon away. He had been in the service when he told officials he was hearing voices. They then gave him his gun back. And then there's Nicholas Cruz, the alleged shooter in the Parkland Massacre. He blamed his shootings on a voice in his head that told him to burn, kill, destroy. How long has that voice been going on? And what does the voice say to you? Well, what does it tell you to do? Burn, kill, destroy. Okay, burn, kill, destroy what? Anything. But obviously, again, when you say it's a voice, it's you. It's all you. The voice is you as well. Yeah. The voice didn't force you to do anything, right? No, the voice did. It's two voices. There's one half that's the good and then the bad. Yeah. Despite a confession, the suspect, Nicholas Cruz, is awaiting trial on 17 counts of first-degree murder. Cruz's public defender has told prosecutors his client would plead guilty if the state declined to seek the death penalty against him. Now, while the wheels of justice turn slowly, none seem to move more slowly than for... Zephan Zaver, who has been charged with five counts of first-degree murder of the five women in the SunTrust Bank on January 23, 2019. The charges are five counts of homicide, murder of the first degree, premeditated as a capital offense. The wheels can turn even slower when the suspect waives his right to a speedy trial, as Zaver did on March 25, 2019, because this is a death penalty case. I filed a notice that I will be seeking the death penalty. Now, Zephan Zaver filed a written not guilty plea on February 22, 2019. He's requested a jury trial and said that he will likely file a motion challenging the legality of his indictment. You have five counts of felony capital murder based on it being a capital offense. The court is going to hold you without bond. Zaver remains jailed without bond and is possibly facing the death penalty. Meanwhile, one year later, a memorial service for the fallen. Human bodies may be gone, but their their spirits are with us all. She was just the glue to our family. She was just so loving. And it's just so sad that someone would do such a horrific thing. 
to someone so innocent, five innocent ladies. You know, you just still can't imagine I'm gone. I am learning after the fact that there may have been another bank employee that was able to run out of the bank. Can you imagine while everyone else was being shot? Oh, being the only one to survive. At the airport, the shooter used a handgun, as did the shooter at the Sebring Bank. But in the Parkland shooting, a high-power rifle was used. And now the former Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel said then that Cruz used an AR-15 assault rifle with multiple magazines. There are people that are still undergoing surgery. Just pray for this city, pray for this school, the parents, the, 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 the folks that lost their lives. It's a horrific, horrific day. And on his third day as Florida governor, Ron DeSantis made good on a campaign promise and suspended Sheriff Scott Israel. The Parkland families, the people of Broward and the broader Florida community community want accountability, but I think just as important or more important, they want the problems fixed going forward. In his place, a new sheriff who used to serve in the Coral Springs Police Department, Gregory Tony. Appointing Sergeant Gregory Tony as the new sheriff of Broward, I believe is the way to look forward, to bring leadership, competence, and accountability to the department. Former Sheriff Scott Israel's personal attorney, Stuart Kaplan, says things got very political very quickly after the shooting. And I believe that Sheriff Israel has to own the responsibility of the deputies who were there on February 14th. But in no way do I feel, meaning does Bob Gutierrez feel, as being the head of this commission, that anything that happened would have caused him to come to the conclusion that Scott Israel, Sheriff Israel, should be removed from being the sheriff of Broward County. Do you think that Scott Israel has owned it? I think now, clearly, when you talk to him, when you see him, I think that he has been... Has he owned it? I think he has owned it. I but think, he didn't own it right after. He went no, on CNN. Karen, it was Karen, not good. Karen, I'm going to tell you, absolutely, he did a terrible job. In fact, I would give him at best an F plus, honestly, as to how he did on CNN with respect to the town hall meeting. And certainly even more dismal was when he went on with Jake Tapper. Do you think that if the Broward Sheriff's Office had done things differently, this shooting might not have happened? Yeah, listen, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, uh, you know, uh, O.J. Simpson would still be in a record books. I don't know what that means. There's 17 dead people and there's a, a whole long list of things your department could have done differently. But that in no way should be able or should be the barometer as to how we judge his ability to be the sheriff. He's a poor public speaker then, meaning how he presented himself on those two occasions. They were horrible. The National Rifle Association controls the governor's actions and they're now trying to control law enforcement in Broward County. But that's what the public saw, not only locally here, but nationally. And that's why there was so much traction that gave the support to Governor DeSantis. Had he not done those two things, do you think he'd still be sheriff? No question. Absolutely no question about it. And today, ousted Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel is a finalist to become the police chief of Bay Harbor Islands in Miami-Dade County. Israel is one of three finalists for the chief's job and moves into the next phase of interviews. So the state of Florida is really excited about executing people, especially mass murderers, you know, and that's understandable. In fact, yesterday, a judge handed down a death sentence to a killer of a West Palm Beach mother and daughter. 
In fact, it's Palm Beach County's first death sentence since 2002. 29-year-old Marlon Joseph was convicted of shooting the mother and daughter in the head. His motive? He said the 11-year-old girl was mistreating his 8-year-old daughter. So he shot mother and daughter in the head. That'll teach them. The common denominator on all these is it's just senseless. But if someone's hearing voices and they're mentally ill, should we really be killing them? Committing state-sanctioned murder. It's a question to ponder in your head. So that wraps up Full Rigor. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Until next time. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.